78644 is brought to you by Texas Hatters, Nightbirds Hospitality, The Culinary Room, Wendy R. Books and Gifts, Birdie House, Maverick Horseback Riding, El Rey Bar and Nightclub. In-kind sponsors are Williams Island, Courthouse Nights, Printing Solutions, and the Gaslight Baker Theater. February 14th, 269 and 270 AD, two separate men named Valentine were both beheaded by Emperor Claudius. And now we have a day that celebrates love in his name. That doesn't make any sense. And so, in the honor of the holiday that doesn't make any sense, this is the Valentine's Day episode that has nothing to do with Valentine's Day. I'm Stephen Collins. And this is 78644. A little week when you are to speak. Are you small? Kara Bliss and Kevin Mooney, both Lockhart residents, have a project they're working on together, a vocal and guitar duo, and they stop by the studio to visit with us and to perform. Kevin and I had been playing together a little bit at uh, Emmanuel Episcopal Church. I got to know Kevin's jazz stylings uh, <laughs> in church, and um, and it, it came to me one day that I would love to um, work up some tunes with Kevin, just because with Kevin and his guitar and just me and my voice, we could be nimble, and we could plug in a lot of other kinds of places. Um, so we started playing together, and it's been a blast. Well, one of the great things, too, about playing with Kara is she has such an impeccable sense of time. And it's really it's really challenging just to play, you know, vo- voice and guitar or voice in any instrument. And um, it requires a lot of... Uh, a lot of faith <laughs> to to feel like you know we don't need to fill up every hole, uh, but uh, one of the things I've noticed in in performing with you is this incredible sense of time, and it's really easy to play with you, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. I went to college on a violin scholarship, and uh, still pick up the fiddle every now and then, um, and had a long stint doing a lot of musical theater in Austin and elsewhere, and. Um, love that kind of storytelling opportunity that musical theater provides. But as, you know, as life goes on, it got more complicated. I had my daughter. Um, I, I, uh, I needed to have an outlet that was um, on my own time. And I've kind of leaned into this kind of performance and it's been wonderful. Performing for me is really, it's, uh, it's not my number one thing. I'm actually a, 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 uh, a teacher at uh, Texas State University, and I teach in the music department, teaching music history. And I'm also a music historian, and I've uh, just published a book on a jazz singer named Louise Tobin. She was the uh, one of uh, Benny Goodman's jazz singers. She just died this last November, and she was 104 years old. And uh, I documented her story. And um, so that's been a really exciting uh, project to get to hear from her firsthand about a lot of the legends of the history of jazz through most of the 20th century. And uh, so that's a big part of what I do. And, and performing has been something that I've done all my life, really. I mean, I've, I've played guitar, you know, all the way down to before, before high school and, and then really got serious about it um, uh, when I went to college and played in jazz bands and and uh, all different styles of music. And so it's been really great to, to bring that back and to be able to play again. And so, yeah, I started playing at church and, and Kara says, well, you know, I heard his jazz stylings. I was probably playing too much jazz in church and probably <laughs> should have just kept, kept it simple. But, but uh, if it brought us together, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that's how it happened. <laughs> 
comes a rainstorm Put your rubbers on your feet Comes a snowstorm You can get a little heat Comes love Nothing can be done Comes a fire Firemen come and rescue you Blow a tire Get another shoe Comes love Nothing can be done Don't try hiding Cause there isn't any use You'll start sliding When your heart turns on the juice Comes a headache you can lose it in a day Comes a toothache See your dentist right away Comes love Nothing can be done Comes a heat wave you can hurry to the shore Comes a summons Hide yourself behind the door Comes love Nothing can be done Comes the measles You can quarantine the room Comes a mousy Chase it with a broom Comes love Nothing can be done that's all, brother, if you've ever been in love That's all, brother, you know just what I'm speaking of Comes a nightmare, you can always stay awake Comes recession, you can get another break Comes love, nothing can be done Comes Love, nothing can be done. Jane Ellen Bryant and Daniel Leopold have formed a band called Jane Leo. Its influences are Talking Heads, Lou Reed, The Cars, and Iggy Pop. You'll hear a little bit of Eurythmics and other influences from the 80s and 70s in their music and a very unique and modern take on the sound. They were kind enough to stop by to visit with us here at the studio and to perform as well. One thing I, I didn't know until we were setting up to do the recording is that you're, you're living in Lockhart now. Yeah, we've been here a year now, so we're officially residents. I, said, I had no idea. I don't know why. I'm, I'm sorry I'm late to the game. <laughs> we're so quiet about it. We've I, well, Jane gets out a lot more than I do, but I, since in a year, I think I've been out on the square twice. And that's because, again, I have a daughter who loves to do all the local Lockhart stuff. So we go, actually, we go to the library all the time, but that's still on the fringe, you know, still not. I love going on the square. I love riding my bike to the square. The I love going to good things. I love, I love the small town life. Yeah. yeah it, I, you were saying earlier how it's, um, it's so quiet compared to, to this, you know, living in Austin. Yeah, we were in South Austin up until a year ago. And now when we drive back there, we're like so glad we're not living in that area. It has gone so downhill, sadly. I hope it comes back. But um, Lockhart feels like the right place to be for us right now. This project, Jane Leo, is something that you started when you became a couple, right? Is that correct? Yeah, we kind of started writing and literally met and decided to write a song was just how we met. So um, we, uh, it all sort of fused at once, not knowing what, you know, and that we were really forming a project. We thought we were writing together and kind of exploring and, um, but then, you know, as the more we did it, the more we realized, hey, this could actually be something. We were doing, a, as we were saying, we were doing a KUTX thing yesterday and they had us make a playlist. And, you know, we've been done with the first album for, maybe two years, you know, because we started writing it five years ago and we started working with Danny Reich right down the block from here uh, around four years ago. And we had to dig back and figure out what were we listening to, you know, and this is like pre-pandemic, during pandemic. It's, it was really crazy about two years in seclusion is where your 
where our interests fell. We had, in retrospect, barely known each other at the time. We knew each other for a year, and then we had two years together of amazing, like, togetherness and without any, you know, literally in a bubble without any outside influence. And it was like, well, what do you know? And what do you know? And it was really a powerful thing to reach back into albums of the cars and talking heads and stuff that it's funny because I'm a 80s kid, but I completely rejected that sound growing up because, you know, being eight or 10 or whatever it was in the 80s, that was kind of what your parents listened to, you know, it's like, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with this. I want what's new. And then now that I'm getting up there in the years, looking back and saying, wow, this stuff was, that stuff was so powerful, so exciting. And then, you know, to show Jane and Jane react yes. super positively and give it right back was. I've, I've, you know, grown up with music my whole life. I've been a musician my whole life, but there was so much that I had not discovered um even after like going and majoring in music there was so much that i had never wrapped my mind around so meeting him was like like and it still is and he's like an encyclopedia of artists that i've never heard of and um every time we kind of go down the path of listening to one of them new songs come out and so yeah you're, you're dead on with what we were listening to around that time and the inclusion of synths and 808s and it was something very different for both of us from our previous projects to start incorporating into our, our writing. And um, for me vocally, like listening to people like Karen O was just like, whoa, this is, this is something I need to embrace. Um, so I had to kind of learn how to unsing and take away my training in order to uh, settle into a sound that worked for us. So um, it was a long winded answer to your question. No, is, no, yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating to, so um, the projects that you were doing before, what what type of thing was that? I'm just curious because I know you were doing two separate things, yeah. and then this is very different. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. For for me, uh, under my uh, project Jane Ellen Bryant, my full name, I was doing kind of a folk rock singer songwriter Americana thing, but I was also exploring a lot within that, which was a bit confusing. Trying to do these like really harsh pop rock sounds, and then also like folk tunes under one name it was not really making sense and then for Leopoldness Fiction it was pure rock um and so by meeting each other we got to kind of explore sounds that we wouldn't that didn't really make sense under our previous umbrellas so uh even like writing from different perspectives and just taking on these new characters and stepping outside of ourselves was really a awesome opportunity yeah, and it seems like um, you've embraced that whole thing. It's really fascinating to watch, not just only in, in um, doing the, the sonic aspect, but also in the visual aspect. Um, mm. I know you just finished a, a video. I think he shot it here in town. Yeah. And yeah. Um, all the videos seem to be conceptual. And, and also, the 80s was such a great time for the music video, starting with Peter Gabriel. and then, Sure. Yeah. And I see some of that in your work. You know, it's, and totally. it's exciting to see. Yeah, that's... I mean, again, like growing up, I I feel like I was on a cusp of, uh, again, being the age that MTV was flourishing by the time I could even understand what was going on, you know? So by that time, seeing a Peter Gabriel video and um, uh, it was almost old by the time I recognized what it was. So it was, you know, 87, 88, that stuff was like, no, no, that's that's old news. So it never really registered until... I got much older and the drummer for Leopold is a genius when it comes to animation. And we, we've played him our stuff and he's like, I got, I know exactly what to do with this. I know exactly what to do. And he's like big on Monty Python and with the Peter Gabriel video was our pretty much main source of reference. And then uh, there's the brothers Quay. They were the animators that did that yeah. video. Yeah. Oh man. Well, he's all about it. And it was, so, I mean, all of our collaborations have leaned so effortlessly right in that direction with Steve and our good friend, Aaron Brook. I mean, everyone. Yeah, we're surrounded by really talented people that have like helped us curate what we're going for. And yeah, immediately on yeah. board without yeah. even with, without even being on board, they're on board. Like Aaron um, used to own a vintage shop that specialized in 70s, 80s, and she has warehouses filled with mostly female 80s 70s yeah. outfits and jane's like i'm just cool. gonna stop by let's, yeah. do, <laughs> so let's do this thing so it's, yeah it's been the best before a photo shoot she'd be like yep i have this and this and this and this and you're like 
excellent. Um, it's like so, having a stylist. Yeah, she is. She's yeah, a stylist she photographer, sure. and you know, so we've we've had people like her and Steve, like you said, and and different videographers that are friends of ours that have taken on different songs. And most recently, we did a uh, a music video for a new song at the Baker Theater here in Lockhart, and that was so special. If you're ever feeling bad about yourself, just stand in a spotlight yeah. on stage because there's something about that that just feels like really magical. Um, so I'm really excited for that to come out and I'm excited to be here in Lockhart because everyone's really embraced us and it's so um, easy to meet talented people. Everyone's so excited to share their their places and things with us. So we've shot a lot around town. So With writing, you were I, I was listening to something you guys were talking about where you were <laughs> And maybe you were talking about living out in a place like Lockhart where you shut off all the input sources and, and start to see what comes out. Is that, can you talk a little bit about the writing process? We've been known to go out to like West Texas and shut off our phones for weeks um, if we can and really dive into the zone. We've recorded a lot of our vocals and things from the, this first record out there. But um, the writing process has been really interesting for us it's been probably like the hardest part of this project and the best um it's definitely like as it should be yeah i mean uh, that's what we pride ourselves on are, is the craft itself and you know that's we're neither neither of us are like shredders we're not here to like you know like jimmy page is jimmy page but his thing was absolute guitar and production and i mean we're here first and foremost as songwriters that can put it in a beautiful frame you know um yeah we've i've learned and grown a lot working with daniel as he's like as a lyricist he's pushed me like immensely it's been so frustrating and great all at the same time and um he's been able to you know i think expand in his own way as well working mm -hmm. with me so mm -hmm. it's it's cool we've we've brought out different sides of each other and our writing is continuously evolving like the more you know, music we're discovering from the vault, the more, the weirder shit's getting now. So for this second record that we're deep into now, it's, it's all, you know, we're just continuing to challenge ourselves and find things that people might think we're totally insane at some point, but we're having fun. We're like overcompensating almost because, uh, I mean, on the first record, because um, trying to, the learning curve was, really strong in the sense that like Jane was saying she had a pitch perfect voice like I could literally tune my guitar to her concept of a you know what I mean and so to unlearn that and say that's that's beautiful I love that and we can use that for really sweeping backing vocals and all this stuff that I've never been capable of doing but if you're singing lead on this stuff against a really grainy guitar it's, it's never gonna work so how do we how do we do this and that being said, you know, we couldn't really conceptualize a whole record because we didn't even know what was going to float and sink. And but I mean, the songs themselves, yes, they you know, there's one song, the song we played just a minute ago, Our Love, or I don't know if this is coming first or after the songs, but that is on this on this podcast. We played Our Love and that song is very uh, cinematic in the sense of, you know, Lee Hazelwood, Nancy Sinatra of a wide open spaces sounding and we were fully in the western spaghetti western world when we wrote that we may have been in west texas for a good portion of writing that just wide open spaces and um you know we just allowed ourselves to do anything but then <clears throat> taking all of our ideas over to danny reich and saying this is what we have is this good even we have no idea we've never played it out you know it's literally in the thick of the shut down and we don't know what to do with this and he said yeah i got this i got you and he you know made a through line for all of it and um you know that was uh three quarters of the album we went in with him and then <clears throat> that let us know okay this works this doesn't now let's tack on five more songs and um so at the onset we didn't have a theme we weren't like you know we're gonna go new wave or we're gonna go rock or we're gonna do acoustic we had no idea we were literally just grabbing at inspiration, which I think is absolutely huge and commonly forgotten where if you have an idea, just run with it. Because if you try to make the new wave record, it's going to be very two-dimensional. And so 
we tried to grab everything we could and then weed out from there yeah to make a well-rounded album yeah well the, the one we're supposed to be promoting is coming out february 17th and that's this first record that we're talking about um but yeah we are already like very far along on our second record and playing some of those songs at our live shows because i think you know this first record was done mixed and mastered before we'd ever played a show so um we learned so much through playing those songs live and learned like oh we we want to like rock out a bit more and you know we want to uh so playing live really influenced the second record um it's kind of our next theme of i guess for that one but this first record i'm so proud of listening back to it's kind of like the story of us as artists coming together and like you said trying out so many different sounds and um learning who we kind of unlearning who we were and becoming this these new people um yeah the main theme of the first record is you know it, it involves our relationship a lot too in the sense that it's like who do you want to become and not just like on stage but like in life you know again with the with the closing down of everything you could come out of that and essentially be a way better person or have picked up really bad habits or whatever the case may have been. Did you spend the two years watching TV the whole time? Is that all you did? Sorry. Well, I mean, so for us, it's like, okay, look at, we don't know when this is going to end. Let's just better ourselves the best we can. And we're working together and building a life and a family and a band and everything together. Like when this opens up, when we are, in front of people again what do you what do you want to bring with you what everyone's bringing baggage what kind of baggage do you want to bring you want to bring super heavy or you want to be super light and dancing all over the stage or do you want to be doing acoustic songs still and anything goes there's no wrong answer it's just what do you feel our collaboration can be best for you know what what uh how can we show our best selves and so that for again that first record having having not played it live there's a lot of, you know, mellow ballads and whatnot, and they feel great. They felt amazing at the time. But the second we got on stage, it was like, is this what we want to project? Is this who I want to be every night on a 30-date tour? Um, no, I don't. I personally didn't. And so uh, we started working in the more upbeat songs, writing more upbeat, aggressive. And uh, there's I on the second record, I think there's definitely more of a theme, and it's... A, aggressiveness positive all positivity but definitely a more vicious edge to yeah, it it's like a lot of fire yeah a lot of fire of to it and it's, it's so and that that's that brings a lot of the leopold aspect into it so the second record is actually more like ourselves than the first record is um as jane was saying right you know in your solo endeavor you would write a rock song or acoustic song or whatever it may have been but the, you know this is that one side that you were never able to fully lean into. Well, now you can, and I can lean back onto something I'm so comfortable with, but it's over 808s and 909s and synths that I've, I've never experienced. And uh, it's really cool. It's really fun. That's great. And is there is a tour in the works? Or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in the works. We're working on Euro European dates right now at the end of April. We have end of March, Texas dates with a band from Fort Worth called the Unlikely Candidates. Uh, and yeah, we're doing a five dates with them. And that's, you know, just doing the surrounding Waco and San Antonio and Austin. Um, a couple more sprinkled in there. But so the spring will be busy. It's going to be. It's gonna be yeah, we got yeah. South by and then every Sunday in February, we're at Hotel Vegas celebrating our album release. So which is February 17th. Yep. Right very, that's the album release yes, the 17th yes, but the, the 17th, show is yeah. the 12th yeah this sunday the 12th is going to be really great telenovelas with us and we've just got telenovela from lockhart yeah steven alcala from lockhart showing us photography yes it's got a visual aspect, lockhart yeah. yeah it's got a visual aspect to it we're showing like an hour's worth of all the footage on this projector and um showing steve's work who's been with us from the beginning so um who everyone on this that's who's basically the mayor of Lockhart. He's here right now. Yes. Yeah, can't see room. him, but he's, he's here. bright red. He's standing next to me right now. <laughs> but literally, he's the mayor of Lockhart, and a huge reason is why we moved here. And I'm pretty sure how we got on this podcast right now. So, thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Steve. <Yeah. laughs> you see Steve at Chaparral tomorrow morning. Yeah, he's he, he, him a high yeah. five. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I appreciate you, you uh, taking time to come in. It's been great to talk. Thanks, oh, thank you us. so much. This has been really great. sponsor. The phone rings, 9.35, and he goes, uh, hello, this is this Texas I said, yes, sir. This is, uh, this is Hank Williams Jr. Um, I need to place an order. I need to talk to Joella, because uh, I believe she's the daughter to Manny Gamage. And I'm like, Hector, shut up. I know it's you. And she goes, excuse me, this is, isn't this Hector? And he goes, no, this is Hank Williams Jr., Mr. Bo Cephas. And I'm like, oh, Mr. Williams, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have friends that call and they try to pull my leg early in the morning, and this is about the time he calls. And I, I really apologize. I'm sorry, no disrespect. And then she goes, hey, it sounds like you got the same kind of friends as I do. No good. <laughs> and then, so it was in the morning, it was Hank Williams. It really was Hank Williams. Come on down to Texas Hatters, where we top the best. Chad Ray, who owns the art house here in Lockhart, will have an art opening called Heartivism. It's gonna be an intimate love affair with Lockhart locals, curators, and artists celebrating a sneak preview of the new collection of Chad Ray's work titled Heartivism. You will be able to tour the entire property, his studio, permanent collections, Airbnb rooms, there are discounts for locals and touring musicians, 
and enjoy refreshments as well as to have a chance to win free art. We were able to visit with Chad about the art house and what happens there and about the upcoming exhibit. Hi, my name is Chad Ray and I am the resident artist and super host of the art house. I moved to Lockhart in uh, July of 2021 from Austin. Yeah, this place was uh, in a very different shape than it is today. I had a, an art exhibition in San Antonio that I was driving back from and heading back to Austin and uh, just thought I'd stop in Lockhart and see if there were any homes for sale. And this one popped up on Zillow and I looked in the window and called my realtor and was like, how fast can you get to Lockhart? And it was like 45 minutes. And next thing I know, I bought this house that is way more house than I need for, for one person. But, you know, I just had this vision. And from the first time that I walked in, I was like, oh my God, this is a space that I can not only showcase my art, but invite other guest artists. You know, my, my art studio is here. I work here. Uh, I rarely leave here. You might see me on the square occasionally, but this is really my nest. And uh, it's a place for my, myself to be inspired, to inspire others. Um, you know, every so often I'll open my doors in what, I'll, what I call like an open art house and just invite the public to come in and see any new art that I might have created as well as other guest artists that, um, that I bring in. And then, you know, I've amassed a, a large collection of um, contemporary art from all over the world that is also here. Um, there's a large outdoor space with a pool that people can, you know, friends and, and uh, like old friends, new friends can all come and, and gather here. I've had, I've hosted artist talks. Um, there's two Airbnbs here, two rooms that I rent out. And, you know, I offer discounts to uh, Lockhart residents or, you know, family members that might be coming into town, as well as, you know, other artists and touring musicians. It's not like a party house. It's not a place that you come, you know, for a party. It's a place where you come to sort of like recharge and reconnect, uh, you know, with your, your sort of spiritual self and, um, you know, really sort of open up that vessel of, of creative energy. So anything that can, you know, enhance your, your creative vibe, whatever, whatever it is, whether, um, you know, you're a writer, there's a room here that you can rent and call it the writer room. It's the smaller room. Um, but there's a desk in there, there's a guitar in there. And if you just want to come and hang out, you know, and, and write music and hang out by the pool, like that's a particular vibe. Um, if you want to share my studio for a couple of days, you know, my hope is that I can offer some artist residencies that are sponsored by, you know, some of the art sales here that I do online. And um, yeah, again, just have a, a, I just was really drawn to Lockhart for the creative energy and, you know, the creative entrepreneurs that are here, all the musicians, all the artists, and really just sort of, um, you know, wanting to foster community and have a place that other artists could uh, showcase their art in an intimate setting, you know, unlike a gallery where it might be hard to envision what the art looks like in your house. Like this is my home and, you know, the walls are open to, to display all kinds of, you know, contemporary works from, from artists, you know, all over Texas, this living room and the dining room, uh, you know, those are the areas that, that, or sort of the main main showroom areas. All the art that you see on the floor now is, is for an upcoming show that I have uh, in February that I just want to open my doors for an open house for uh, Lockhart residents to come and see, you know, the remodel. I spent 14 months remodeling this place, putting in new floors and, you know, ceilings and fixtures and everything. Everything's completely updated. I'm also really big into wellness and spirituality and so you know being able to have people over to do meditation or you know again anything that help you sort of center yourself and and channel your your creative potential i mean this place was you know it was built in the 80s but it was it hadn't left you know like there were 
well, there was ugly wallpaper and like little shelves over all the windows and like, I mean, bad carpeting uh, with questionable stains everywhere. And, you know, it's just, I, I, I refreshed it, you know, to kind of look uh, like a gallery, you know, it's just not technically a gallery, but like it's got gallery uh, white, you know, on the walls to make the wall pop. You know, um, some of my favorite artists I've invited over to do murals. So Andrew, or not Andrew, Albert Gonzalez, he's an artist from San Antonio. He painted the garage door mural. And then this is Lance Hopper. He's also the guy that did these. But, you know, he's painted that. And so, like, when I envision this house, and part of the reason why I call it the art house is because every surface is an opportunity. It's a living canvas for not only me, but, like, you know, if you're a muralist and you're, like, I want to paint your shed. I'm like, rad. If you're an outdoor sculpturist, like I want to fill my lawns with outdoor sculptures. You know, this is just the, sort of the start of, of uh, this, yeah, living canvas, if you will. So you'll see painted chairs, you know, um, any, nothing is off limits really. But there were some artists um, that came yesterday. There's these installation artists. And I was like, you guys can do pretty much whatever you want. Like these are the four rooms. If you want to do projections, if you want to do, you know, if you want to spill marbles all over the floor, like, you know, I'm open to whatever you want to do, you know? Yeah. Because there's lots of galleries. Um, I mean, all over the country, all over the world, really, there's some award-winning galleries in, in Austin that operate out of their garage um, there's a gallery that I've exhibited in San Antonio called Pressa House, which is in an old house, you know. And so this isn't like this is a, a, a new or, or novel concept. Um, but I do think there's a trend of people like having concerts in their homes or, you know, other types of events. Um, and so, yeah, that's just really the the impetus for this to to make it a space that i can share with other people my background is in the advertising world like i spent 25 years doing creative direction for you know google and target and apple and nike and all those those brands so uh, i'm still trying to figure out like what the what the uh <laughs> house style is for lack of a better word I do like contemporary works. I like more sort of street or pop um, or folk, you know, aesthetic and also some experimental stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm open. I'm also like very conceptual. So like my shows tend to be themed like the meat show. I also did a um, show called uh, All in the Family, which is a parent child exhibition. So professional artists, um, would exhibit one of their works next to one of their child's works. So we had everybody, you know, from like a four-year-old to, you know, a 16-year-old um, emerging artist, if you will, next to their professional um, parents' work. And that was really amazing. It was, you know, I got a lot of really great feedback from the community and other um, parent artists that, you know, haven't really had the opportunity to do things with their child or, you know, their children rarely go to the exhibitions with them or see that sort of insight. And, you know, just watching the children like sign their work and pose next to their work and feel like they were, you know, larger than life was just a really special um, type of event, you know, and it was way more about like the community aspect than, you know, selling the work or, you know, uh, drinking wine with your, you know, pinky in the air kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm big into concept and, you know, I, everything I do, if I were going to have a garage sale, I would, you know, brand it as the world's largest, you know, greatest garage sale ever, you know? And so like, I get really excited about branding things and, you know, I named the house, you know, Lockhart house or the art house, however you want to call it, you know, it's got a great, brand and like we're making merchandise and you know it's just like that's my jam you know so um it's just fun to to be able to 
to make this my home and, you know, uh, invite other people, other creative people, other makers to come here and collaborate. And, you know, I don't have to leave. They can all just come here. <laughs> a lot of my work um, is what I would call artivists work. It's very social um, activist sort of art based on current events you know, commentary on American gun culture, mental health, climate change, you know, and I, that was sort of what I was known for, you know, for the last five years or so. COVID happened, um, had some shows, some exhibitions cancel. I was living with um, a woman and child at the time. Um, and, you know, I was, I was, my mental health was not great. And so, I went inward. I um, ended up enrolling in a master's program in spiritual psychology, which I'm about ready to complete uh, in February. Um, and during this first year, about two years ago, I wasn't making any art because I was at odds with this activist um, mentality, which is, you know, the symbol for activism is this fist, closed fist raised in the air. And there's this um, positionality of right and wrong and judgment. And after, you know, a year into the program, I was starting to see the world, you know, with accept acceptance and, you know, less judgment and, uh, you know, no positionality of right and wrong. And so how do I respond to these current events? Um, and it wasn't the same way that I was responding to them in the past, you know, instead of creating art that I wanted people to feel my upset, you know, uh, now I want people to feel my shared joy for the world. And so uh, rather than call it uh, artivism, I just changed it to be heartivism. And it's really about looking at the world, you know, through this lens of uh, acceptance and, you know, more joy. And so this body of work that I created called heartivism is really just a celebration of life and seeing the positive things in, in life. And so I've got some other galleries that um, are going to show the work later in the year, but I thought in February for one day, I could open up the doors for Lockhart to come and see it before anybody else has seen it. I've learned so much um, in this program, but you know, just to be able to see the world through a different lens and, and, to under to be more compassionate with people and understand that everybody's on their own journey and everybody's view of the world is based on their own experiences it's more about our similarities than our differences And now a little love advice from our local love doctor, Donna Napolitani. Okay, this is your love doctor, Donna Napolitani, and I'm here to give you the worst dating advice because you just don't want to be out there. There's nothing worse than being out there and dating and dealing with relationships. So I'm going to give you these four tips for free. Not going to charge you anything, nothing. It's all for free. And nothing's free in life. You know what I mean, all right? Okay, so here's the four common ways that you can ruin your relationship with that someone special. First one is arriving late without calling or texting beforehand and giving no explanation of where you are. You just show up or you don't show up and you say, oh, I was just doing something with somebody you know and might be just expect them to understand because they're going to totally understand that knot. You know what I mean? So talking too much, that's number two of talking too little. I have a little bit of a problem with talking too little. And uh, sometimes I talk a little too much, but only, you know, when I'm giving advice to people. And I think it's important, you know, like you, there's sometimes where you're going to have that one thing with the sauce. And if you don't put the certain red wine in there, it's not going to have the same flavor. And a lot of people give me a lot of grief about that, but they're wrong. Okay, they're wrong. Okay, number three texting and playing games on your phone. If you want to ruin your relationship or you want to ruin that thing with that special someone, that potential, make sure you stay on your phone. It works every time. It's really rude. 
And then, of course, the last one is drinking too much. No matter whatever your flavor is, you're drinking it and you're drinking it and then you say all these secrets and then they know everything about you and you lose your mystery. These four tips for free, for free. There's nothing here that, that's going to cost you anything. And this is good advice because it's coming from me, the love doctor, Donna Napatolini. You can book a personal consultation today with Donna Napatolini. Find her in the Lockhart Yellow Pages. It's time for 78644 News. Just a reminder that our lineup is featured on our Instagram page daily and our story is called The Roundup. If you want to know what's going on in town tonight, check out 78644 Podcast on Instagram. It's also the place to find out when our next episode is coming out. If you like what you're hearing, please review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the algorithm and helps get the word out about the show. Friday, February 10th at Old Pal. Jamie Kruger will be playing from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. The Pearl will have J.T. Tuttle from 8 to 10 p.m. Saturday, February 11th, Old Pal will have Dustin Welsh. It's his residency that is every second Saturday, 9.30 p.m. to 11.30. The Pearl will have a Valentine evening with Grant Ewing from 8 to 10 p.m. Arts and Craft will have a Valentine's Masquerade Ball featuring DJ dance party, champagne toast, and light snacks, $10 at the door. All proceeds go toward the nonprofit Pride of Caldwell County. The Heartivism Art Opening will be at the Art House. This is going to be an intimate love affair with the Lockhart locals, curators, and artists celebrating a sneak preview of the new collection of Chad Ray's work titled Heartivism. Lodoff Fannies will have jams with Jenny from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Sunday, February 12th at Arts and Crafts, the Lionel Cut class, We'll be creating V-Day themed prints for V-Day cards. The Pearl will have the Sunday matinee with W.C. Clark from 3 to 5 p.m. Tuesday, February 14th, Commerce Hall will have natural light. $10 at the door, it goes to the band, doors are at 7. Wednesday, February 15th, Arts and Craft will have Suckling in High Heavens, starts at 7 p.m. The Pearl will have singer-songwriter Stoney Gable from 7 to 9 p.m. Thursday, February 16th, Old Pal will have Nate Guthrie from 7 to 9 p.m. The Pearl will have Open Mic Night, hosted by the Michael James Trio from 7 to 9 p.m. Sign up for Open Mic starts at 6.30 p.m. Arts and Craft will have Trivia Night. The music starts at 7. Friday, February 17th, Old Pal will have Ben Zunica from 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. The El Rey will have Grupo Masur starting at 8 p.m., $25 at the door. The Pearl will have Tony Taylor from 8 to 10 p.m. And the Gaslight Baker Theater will have 39 Steps. It's opening night. Starts at 8 p.m. Go to mygbt.org for more information on the show. Saturday, February 18th, Old Pal will have Callaway Rich and the Prickly Pears, 9.30 to 11.30 p.m. Gaslight Baker Theater is going to have 39 Steps at night at 8 p.m. Sunday, February 19th at the El Rey, Blues Sunday with Jamie Kruger, 2 to 5 p.m. It's a free show. The Pearl will have W.C. Clark. It's a Sunday matinee, 3 to 5 p.m. The Gaslight will be having 39 steps. It's the opening matinee that day for 2 p.m. Arts and Crafts will have its Irish session from 4.30 to 8 p.m. Wednesday, February 22nd, The Pearl will have Whiskey Wednesday with a resident artist, singer-songwriter Chris Lancaster from 7 to 9 p.m. Thursday, February 23rd, the Lone Star Workshop will have a sketch party. It's a free drawing group. No instruction, prompts provided. All levels are welcome. It's a BYOB event. Old Pal will have Mary Charlotte Young from 7 to 9 p.m. That's it for 78644 News. Renowned Texas singer-songwriter and Lockhart resident James McMurtry was kind enough to stop by and uh, discuss writing as well as play some songs from his new record, The Horses and the Hounds. The Horses and the Hounds is a return to form for James with a sort of a homecoming of sorts with producer Ross Hogarth at the uh, console this time, recorded at Jackson Brown's Groovemaster Studios in Santa Monica, California. Hogarth recorded McMurtry's first two albums, Too Long in the Wasteland and Candyland, and later mixed McMurtry's first self-titled album, St. Mary of the Woods. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I guess four years ago, walking into the AT&T store. Yeah. <laughs> and there you're dealing with the same problem I was dealing with. Yeah, I was trying to get a phone. And I was like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing out here? And, and you were like, 
I had to get away from all the scooters in Austin. Yeah, well, that was part of it. Also, my, my landlord decided to sell the duplex I'd been renting for 20 years, and, and they offered it to me, but you know, the, the building was a teardown, and the, the ground under it was worth more than I had, and I wasn't going to be able to get financed for something like that. You know, For that, you need a developer with a bunch of cash. And, they were nice about it. They didn't force us out or anything because I think the heirs were still fighting over probate. <laughs> so so I had a couple of years to get my credit fixed and get out here. And my drummer's wife was a realtor, Janie Hess, and she found us a place down here we could get into. So we're in Lockhart now. Yeah, it's, well, it's good to have you. And um, on the last record that came out, you were writing in Austin and you you kind of completed it out here. Is that right? Well, we started in L.A. We, we, did, we did the tracking in Santa Monica. Okay. And then uh, we were overdubbing. We did a lot of guitar stuff at Arlen in okay. Austin. And uh, and then we kind of got, you know, we, we got bogged down towards the end. We kept trying to get Ben Montinch to play keyboards on it. And he had surgery and recovery time. Like it was old-style surgery where they really had to cut into him. And his recovery time was long and painful. And... We were just about to get him in in the spring of uh, 2020. We had a session booked at Sunset in in Los Angeles and in, in Hollywood, and then California shut down about a week before the session was to happen. And so we still didn't have keyboards. We didn't. We didn't have beat. We had some that we cut in Austin, but uh, I wound up. Uh, I cut uh, Bucca Allen's tracks over at the Zone over in Dripping Springs. And uh, then Ross Hogarth, the producer, he had several guys that were mailing tracks in from around the country. So uh, finally, in the 2021, we finally got that record out. Did this pandemic affect writing for you on that at all? I've only written a couple of songs since then. Uh, I mean, all the songs on that record were pre-pandemic. Uh, I've written one or two. They're, they're not bad. I know that everybody was couldn't tour they couldn't gig you know so like the um the online concert thing took up a lot of everyone yeah time, that's right? what i did twice a week yeah it was, i kind of enjoyed it it's kind of a twisted mr rogers kind of stick you know? <laughs> well, i thank god drank a cold beer <laughs> does your husband like a cold beer <laughs> that kind of thing because that's what we do here uh, no i think yeah there's a cool way to kind of put heaven thought about that. <laughs> it's like yeah. welcome to our home. I'm yeah. take off my shoes now. Um, but that was the way it felt. Kind well, of it helps if you have dogs. People yeah. love dogs. That's true. You're like, have you seen my dog? And you talk to the dog, dog doesn't say anything. Yeah. yeah. That's the best part, I guess. Um, I want to know, too, it's like, so um, with, uh, so you've been out here about five years in Lockhart. How, how's, how have you found it? I like it just fine because we got all these young people that got run out of Austin like us and they're down here opening businesses and restaurants and bars, and it's, it's turned into a cool little village. Uh, I remember one of the first times I was here, I was in the Caracara Brewery, and I had my weird little hat on that I wear, and kind of an English driving cap. And, and these two old guys walked up, and they walked past me, and one of them looks at the other and says, Lockhart's changed, you know, <laughs> and, and it has. And, and to my opinion, it's changed for the better. I mean, we still have... You know, there's still cotton fields right up to the edge of town, and it's still ag-based economy. But uh, but the local, I mean, the people that were here before, most of them seem to tolerate us pretty well, and as they should, because they have a, a solvent town. <laughs> the, you know, the, the businesses around the square aren't boarded up like they were back before they didn't issue liquor licenses. <laughs> yeah. One of the cool things about Lockhart is it's not on the way to anywhere. So it's not exploding like Bastrop, and it's not really picturesque like, you know, in the hill country. You know, the Austinites like to go west out in the hill country where they got a view. We're on this flat plateau, which is suitable for farming, you know. It's not, it's not that great to look at. You go, you know, 10 miles in any direction, it starts to break up a little bit, and you fall off towards the rivers. But, but uh, the, the flatness kind of slows the growth and i don't mind that at all i don't mind flat i like sky thinking about writing does landscape i mean landscapes always in your work is it something that you come back to naturally or to, well it's just something you see that you write through and so yeah i guess it gets in there 
no matter where you are. But I mean, a lot of my songs are, are written through the windshield in various places where I haven't lived. But, you know, you pick up details along the road. Yeah. I... Choc- Choctaw Bingo was really a writing exercise to see if I could put all that weird stuff I saw along Highway 69 in Oklahoma into one song. And you write characters in your songs. They're like little films almost. You know, you can you put you right there until you can see it and be yeah, a it's, character. It's fiction writing. That's, I mean, that's just an easier way to get into the song. I, th- I think one has a lot, you got a lot better chance of writing a song if you don't limit yourself to your own point of view. Yeah. If I had to just write autobiography, I wouldn't write much. But of course, you know, I grew up listening to the sound of a manual typewriter down the hall because Larry was down there making people up too. My father tells a story because, you know, in his household growing up, nobody read for pleasure. They read for information strictly. And one of his mother's sisters came in and she started talking about Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail. And he's like, well, who are these people? She said, well, they're not people, they're rabbits. What do you mean they're rabbits? Well, they're not real rabbits, they're made up rabbits. What do you mean made up real rabbits? You know, he didn't understand at that point that you could make some you could make up a character. He was probably, you know, six, eight years old before he before he knew that, and that changed his whole world. I lived in a place called Waterford, Virginia growing up, which is a cluster of houses with a store. I don't know if you'd call it a town. I don't think it even had it didn't have a city limit. It wasn't an incorporated town. I don't think they had city services. Everybody was on wells, but it was kind of a community. Um, they didn't have, yeah, they had an elementary school, but you had to get bused elsewhere for middle school and high school. And we were in and out of there a lot growing up, and then we were in and out of D.C. And uh, but my, you know, I spent a lot of time around my dad's hometown, Archer City, Texas. So I kind of got the small town. Um, I guess uh, I'm saying it's too early in the morning for me to find the right words. Like a template for existence. Lockhart's just a big enough village that I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't like a place where you know everybody you see every day. I don't mind running into the same people as long as there are other people mixed in. You know, my grandparents and cousins—they all lived out in the country, so I heard a lot of that country vernacular growing up. And there's some, there there are archaic forms, you know, phrases that you don't hear anymore. I try to you know, grab one of those every now and then and put it in a song. Uh, I can't seem to think of an example right this minute, but that, that's part, part of my thing is, is language. Because a song is a, it's oral tradition. It's not written necessarily. There's a Texan expression when they say almost, they'll say like to. When I, when I was married, I lived in, in Austin, and our neighbors in Travis Heights were a, a, like there were Three, genera- three or four generations living under one roof next door. They were country people in the city. They'd moved up from Beeville. They'd sold the farm. The old matriarch had made her son sell the farm and take a, a job with the Postal Service so they could have a pension because <laughs> she had had enough of farming, you know. And But every so often our, our neighbor, you know, the, the next generation would come over, Lucy would come over, she'd say, like the lost mama. And about every third story was like to lost mom. <laughs> and we're like, oh no, here we go. I remember when like surfer lingo started invading the cowboy culture. And very distinctly, we, we drove up to Dan Silverleaf in Denton. And the old van, went back when I was running my own van, and we broke down in Fort Worth and somehow got it started again. And kept my foot on the gas till I made the exit in Denton, and then it died and I couldn't restart it. I had to call Dan, and he came out with a Volvo and a rope and pulled that one-ton van through Denton, and we parked it in front of Silverleaf, and that's as far as we were going to go unless somebody came and fixed it. Well, so like towards the end of the set, I said, any mechanics in the house? It looks like we lost a fuel pump we need. And sure enough, there was a guy from Plano out there, and he showed up the next day with a fuel pump and replaced it right there in the parking lot. And then he starts checking all the levels, and I heard him say, dude, you need a quart. I'm like, wait a minute, that's the wrong accent for that. Yeah, I <laughs> for dude, but this this was the '90s. Yeah, what well, you say? in the '70s, cowboys didn't say dude. No, you're and right. This guy and this guy, he had an old style like taco crease on his hat. You know, the brim went up either side. But he he was our age. I've noticed some of my cousins' children don't have the accent that their parents do. 
as they grew up watching the same TV that everybody in Minneapolis watches. You know, they all watched The Simpsons or they all watched Beavis and Butthead, whatever, you know. Yeah, and it kind of it makes a homogenous culture. Yeah. And I, I heard uh, an interview with Bob Dylan talking about that. He said in the 60s he was traveling and every county would be a different experience, and now it's all kind of the same. Are you, are you finding that? Well, you can still find some regional differences, uh, you know, accents and idioms. I remember trying to get directions in Wisconsin one time back before Google Maps, and, and this lady was saying, well, you go to the first set of stop-and-go lights, and you make a right. <laughs> I'm like, wait, is she talking about a stopping at a convenience store? No, she just signal light. To them, a traffic light is a stop-and-go light. I've been fascinated by the idiom because you can... You could say something with so little, it becomes cliche if you're not careful. But I remember having to, wanting to write them down and find a way to write a song with them. But I could never, like Dylan's fantastic at that. He can do that all oh, yeah. day long. And like, I'm like, man, how, I can't find one that doesn't sound cornball, you know? Um, Steve Rolls that way too. He's, yeah, exactly. Well, he's really good at making his point without ruining his song which I can't do. I mean, I have to take, let the song have its head, and it might, you know, I, I might write a song that says something that's contrary to my opinion, but it's a better song that way, whereas he can make his own opinion and not turn it into a sermon somehow. And yet, and yet you feel, when you're hearing those songs, you're hearing, um, you feel like you, something's transpassed between the two of you that was understood. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, it's real. I mean, the the song I did a while ago, Carlisle's Hall. You know, that's that's written from the point of view of a kid in a commercial fishing town. Uh, you know, where they don't believe in government regulation because it gets in the way of their livelihood. Well, I believe in regulation of fisheries because I don't want all the fish to go away. But I'm not trying to pull my living out of a bay either. You know, they're kind of in a bind. You know, they got their 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 phone bill is what it is, regardless. But, you know, they would probably benefit from a sustainable fishery. There's a compassion in your songs toward your characters. That's interesting. You're I like, kind of have to go that way. I have to let the song be. Because um, you don't judge the character even though you've made him up. You're like, well, he's, he's living that way. you got to stay in character. You can't. If you break character, you know, it's like breaking character on stage. It's hard to get away with. Uh, if it don't bleed, I wrote uh, at the wheel during the last couple of months of touring before we went in to track this last record. And I'd get a verse driving down the road, I'd turn it over in my head and kind of edit it as I go along. Then I'd get to the hotel, check everybody in, give them their room keys, go up to my room, write down that verse before I forget it. And then the next day I'd get another one. And uh, I don't remember when I got the chorus or how that worked, but that, that's a rare piece like that. I don't usually write that way. What? But I always start. I always start with a couple of lines and a melody. I get them more or less simultaneous, and then I try to build them out enough that it makes a verse-chorus structure. And you know, and also, I mean, usually I'll hear the lines and the melody, and I'll think, "Who said that?" And then I'll try to envision the character that would have said that. The words and melody pretty much simultaneous to start, just the first couple of lines, and then it builds a pattern. Then I, then I have the melody, and for more, you know, more words will fall into it sometimes. The process with it don't bleed, where I'm, you know, driving down the road, turning it over, and I get a, you know, I get a verse by the time I get to the hotel, <laughs> then I have time to write it down. That that doesn't happen very often. But it's a happy song. Looking back down the road from a little ways out I never had a fear and I never had a doubt If I'd had a lick of sense I'd have figured that out pretty fast But I wasn't any smarter than the average kid Somebody might have noticed but I never did I never saw the future fading right into the past Talking to the wallpaper, wandering the halls I burned a lot of bridges and I dropped a lot of balls It's a wonder I can never go back to any place I've been 
But I wouldn't get down on my knees on a bed I'm near enough to Jesus as I ever want to get Seeking salvation isn't part of my general plan Save your prayers for yourself Raise my glass to your health I don't mind if you don't look like me I can share my bread and wine I come from another time It don't matter all that much If it don't bleed If it don't bleed Now it's all I can do just to get out of bed There's more in the mirror than there is up ahead A smile and a nod like I heard what you said every time So run another rack for another shot You don't get it back So give it all you got Why well, you still got A more or less Functional body in mind Save your prayers For yourself Raise my glass To your health I don't mind If you don't Look like me I can share My bread and wine I come from Another time It don't matter All that much If it don't bleed that don't bleed I learned to answer my calls and open my mail I paid my taxes and I stayed out of jail You stay in the game when you're too broke to fail That's a fact Talking to the wallpaper, sleeping in the hall Your bones get brittle so you better not fall You're slow to a crawl and time gets to balling a jack Run you right off the track Save your prayers for yourself Raise my glass to your health I don't mind if you don't talk like me I can share my bread and wine I come from another time It don't matter all that much If it don't bleed 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 You can find out more information about James McMurtry, his records, and his tour dates on his official website, jamesmcmurtry.com. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Texas Hatters, Nightbirds Hospitality, The Culinary Room, Wendy R., Birdie House, Maverick Horseback Riding, El Rey Bar and Nightclub, in-kind sponsors, Williams Island, Courthouse Nights, Printing Solutions, and Gaslight Baker Theater. 78644 is produced by Kate Collins. Recorded at Troubadour Image and Sound in Lockhart, Texas. In-studio performances by James McMurtry, Kara Bliss and Kevin Mooney, and Jane Leo. Changes written by David Bowie and performed by Rachel Lingvi and myself, Stephen Collins. All photography on our Instagram page is taken by Country Glaze Photography here in Lockhart. Our show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Radio Public, and everywhere else where podcasts are streamed. Thanks for listening. Much too fast to take that test. Ch-ch-ch-changes. Face the strain. Ch-ch-changes.